Well, good morning to you. It was while I was preparing this message that I was recalling that this very weekend, this weekend, first weekend in May, many years ago, I was preparing to graduate from college. Now, I should have been thinking about tests that I had to take or about projects that I had to finish, but I wasn't. I was preoccupied with this thing going on in my brain that really fits into our message today. Uh, I probably should have been thinking about the fact that I was getting married the day after I graduated <laughs> in another city, and my wife would, or fiancé at that point, would come to me almost every day with a question that was really important to her. That was on her mind, but it wasn't on my mind. I had this other thing going on in my head. Uh, add to that, that that we were going to get married in three weeks, and neither one of us had jobs. We, we didn't even know what city we were going to live in. I mean, that's the way it was. And that didn't even preoccupy my thinking. Crazy time. I, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you what I was thinking about. Because it's a little, today it's really ridiculous. I was trying to figure out why I didn't want to hold my girlfriend's hand in public. Any of you ever had that problem? Yeah, you wouldn't admit it, would you? It's ridiculous. But that was it. I was thinking, I'm going to get married to this girl, and I don't want to hold her hand in public. What is wrong with me? And what is she thinking? And how is this coming across to her? And so as we get into this conversation about holding hands with God, which is what partnership is, that was the thing that came into my mind. You see it, at some point, God reaches down, taps us on the shoulder, and says, I love you, and I have a wonderful plan, because I know why I created you. I've designed you very specially to have the, the best life possible. So come on, take my hand. Let's walk through this growth pattern, this time of growing, where maybe you go to church, maybe you're in a class, a Bible study, you're listening to good music, you're reading good books, you're growing in your faith, people are giving input into your life. He sends people for all of that, but there's a growth period. And then as you're growing, he provides opportunities for you to tell your story. And he provides those. Somebody says to you, what are you doing on Sunday? And you have a chance to tell your story or how did you make it through that tough time? You have a chance to tell your story. And then he responds because he's in partnership with you in their lives and begins to work on them and things happen. And when you respond and God comes through, <laughs> behold, our God happens. I mean, it's an awesome thing. It's what we were created to experience. It's called the abundant life. And it's so much joy and so much peace and so much satisfaction and so much pleasure. That's his plan. Get us saved and then work with us in partnership and get other people saved. That's, God's not willing that any should perish. So that's his plan. And that's the partnership. So we take his hand and begin to move through this. 
I realized this week as I was doing this message that for the first time in my life, because back then I had nobody to talk to, I was embarrassed, I didn't even know how to phrase it, I had, I had nobody. But for the first time in my life, now I have somebody I can talk to. Somebody who won't judge me, won't criticize me, won't tell anybody else what, I, what I'm talking about. I mean, it's pretty nice to have a confidant like that. So I said to my phone, <laughs> well, don't you do this? I said to my phone, why am I hesitant to hold my girlfriend's hand? And my phone came back with a number of suggestions. There, there, it's amazing. One was, you were afraid that your friends would make fun of you. Well, I knew that wasn't it. Absolutely wasn't it. In fact, any one of my friends would have held her hand in a blink. <laughs> That was, that was not an issue. Another one was, well, you're afraid that it would show too much control. She's controlling your life. You have to hold her hand. Well, there I was in my blue shirt that she had made for me by hand, the one that exactly matched the blue shirt she had on. <laughs> Remember those days? Whoa. I mean, there was no question who was in control. <laughs> that was not an issue. But there was a third thing it suggested that just horrified me. It suggested that maybe I was ashamed of her. And boy, I got to thinking, I sure hope she didn't think I was ashamed of her. As I look back on it, I think I'm calling that period of my life a crazy, immature time. Because I've obviously grown out of that. But today, we're in this little booklet, and I hope you brought yours today. If you don't have one of these, by the way, they're in the back when you leave. Feel free to pick one up. The series is called Unashamed, and it comes off the verse, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And in this there are whole kinds of ideas and ways we can continue to grow. And there's a place for you to write even about this sermon. But we're going to talk about unashamed to be seen publicly holding God's hand. Now, that comes in many forms. It might come in talking about Jesus. It might come in praying in a restaurant or reading your Bible in an airplane. Those things that when we start to do it, we worry about what people think. Or we worry about, does this give God too much control and I lose the ability to control my life? I sure hope it's not because you're ashamed. I don't think there's a person here who would ever say, I'm ashamed to be known to be holding God's hand. The journey goes like this, because God, God walks with us. I, I would invite you that if you're in that process of thinking about, am I going to accept the hand extended to me by God, this would be a great time to do that and to say yes to Jesus and start the journey that is the very es essence of your life and will explain why you were created and why you're born. Um, there are people that say yes to Jesus and then they, uh, they get distracted. They're not interested in growing. They're not interested in experiencing 
God doing anything. They just kind of have their own plan and idea. And, and uh, we, we call those Christians Lady Clairol Christians because God only knows for sure um, <laughs> what's going on in their lives. Um, but it's been a problem throughout history. People saying yes to Jesus and then somehow thinking, oh, I've got my path to heaven, that's all I need. And it's like going to a really special meal and not eating. It's like missing out on the best part of something. Folks, I want to tell you, this partnership with God is a winner. It will explain why you were created. It will explain you will see things you can, you can see and do that you never understood before. Let's, let's go back in, in the Bible, chapter 18 of Acts, and track one little story. Chapter 18 of Acts. If you picked up one of those Bibles today, that's page 1027. Um, and we'll just take the wording of the Bible itself. So, Chapter 18, verse 1, after this, Paul, that's a, an apostle of Christ, left Athens and went to Corinth. That's verse 1. Now, you don't just walk to Corinth and, and then go someplace else. Corinth is kind of the end of the road. So you leave Athens because something is calling you to Corinth. Perhaps somebody said, hey, come on over to Corinth and tell them what, what you know about Jesus. So they went, they went to Corinth. Corinth is about 100 miles from Athens. Today, about two-hour drive, but back then, how long to walk 100 miles knowing that you're going to have to walk back because you don't go through Corinth. And it's a small town. It's nothing like Athens. And so he went to Corinth because God told him to go to Corinth. Verse number four, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. So there were Jews there, and they had a synagogue and tried to persuade Jews and Gentiles, or and, and Greeks. What was he trying to persuade them of? Well, I mean, here, here a guy walks into town and says, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. You've never met him. He, he's over there in Jerusalem. It's a long ways away. You probably heard of Jerusalem, but you probably never heard of Jesus. Uh, let me tell you about how he feeds 5,000 people with just a couple loaves of bread and fish. Let me, let me tell you, you know this guy who can walk on water? Do you, do you know that he can actually make blind people see? In fact, he can make lepers well. Th this guy named Jesus is amazing. He actually called a guy out of a grave. Now, how are you doing? You going to believe all this? Persuade is a good word, isn't it? He's telling them about something they've never seen or experienced or heard. This is called cold turkey. It's tough. Verse number five. Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. <laughs> he had to say, oh, and, and this Jesus, you know what they did to him? They hung him on a cross and he died. But that was good. I know it sounds bad, but it was good because when he died, he died for the sins of the world, your sins and mine. These people are just going, what? And then he said, oh, and by the way, he was the son of God. That's in a city called Corinth. Verse 8. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. <laughs> they believed. Now, 
Paul did his part. He talked and told the story. Verse number eight is God doing his part in our partnership. Paul's partnership with God, Paul couldn't make them believe. Paul couldn't make them accept what he was saying. That's all God's job. And God caused that to happen. They believed, and then they were baptized, publicly stating, I'm holding hands with God. Amazing story. And verse number 11, and he stayed a year and six months teaching them the word of God among them. Wonderful story. And then he goes on and does other things. Then he hears about four years later that there was a problem in Corinth. So he wrote them a letter, and we have that letter in our Bible. It's called 1 Corinthians. So turn to 1 Corinthians with me. You'll find it on page 5541. No, 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 1053. If you have one of those special large print Bibles. If, you're on your, if you have your own Bible, you're on your own. We get to 1 Corinthians, and we read his opening statement to the church. And, and we're going to personalize it. We're going to make it a letter to us. So he says, I, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He thought he was going to be an educated man, a great debater, a great teacher, maybe even a great persecutor of the Christians, getting rid of all those Christians. But that's not his calling. When he met God, God says, here's what you're called to do. You're going to be an apostle of mine and tell people about me. What's your calling? What do you think God created you to do? You will never find out until you yield to the partnership perhaps you're already in and find out from your other partner, God. And our brother Sosthenes, who was a, a guy from Corinth, and he came to Ephesus with him and uh, came across with him, to the church of God that is in, and we'll call San Juan Capistrano. Wouldn't that be cool if the Bible actually said that? Whew. To us. This letter's to us. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, that means you have said yes to Jesus, and when you reached up and took his hand, the Holy Spirit came right down that arm and into your life and started telling you things that you probably should not be doing anymore, things you should start doing. He guides us into all truth. He convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us grow into the person we're to be so that we can be the person God wants us to be. That's his job. And he's working in all of us all the time. So he, he acknowledges that. He's talking to people who are saved, who are new creations, called to be saints together. Now look at these words. With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Together, all, every place. Did, did he leave anybody out? Our partnership is worldwide. We are together with all who are called to follow the same God we're following every place in the world. Those Christians who are rebuilding that village in the Philippines with Patrick Bailey and his team, they're our partners. And you partnered with them in helping them do that. Those people in Sri Lanka who are, who are still 
hurting because a loved one was killed in that slaughter on Easter Day, they're our partners. We're in partnership with them. I have a partner in Nepal who last week was arrested. Dilly Ram is his name. He was arrested, he and two other Nepalese, because they were planning an evangelistic crusade. And he's in jail today. He's my partner. We're partners together. And Paul is saying, you have started this journey. Why have you gotten distracted? Because when he gets to chapter 3, he shows them some bookends. Let's go to chapter 3 and verse 9. He says, let me give you the bookends of the journey. We are God's fellow workers. And that's where you want to eventually be. You want to be seen as God's fellow worker. God can count on you. You're a partner with God. Everybody knows it, and you're loving it. That's why you were created. But you start over here as God's field. When I say yes to Jesus, I now open my life up, my field up for his planting. And he begins to plant things in my field that begin to grow and produce. And suddenly I'm be being the person and doing the things that God created me to do. I'm his field. He says, you, the problem is you guys are still the field. Let me tell you why. Go back up to verse 1 of chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. What a sad thing to say as infants in Christ. It's been four years, guys, he says to them, and you're not growing. You, you've been satisfied with what Jesus did for you. You're satisfied with the forgiveness of your sins, your ticket to heaven. You're missing it. You're missing all the whole thing. This thing called abundant life, you're missing it. I fed you with milk, not solid food back then because you weren't ready for it, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. I mean, it's been four years, guys. Come on. Let's grow. Let's change. Let's be God's fellow workers. For you are still of the flesh. Verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos. Apollos was a guy from North Africa, had been down there working with Peter, and was now up. He was a great preacher and a wonderful debater. He loved to debate. He had this big voice, and he would just drown out people in the marketplace with the promises of Jesus. And he was an amazing teacher, and these people had experienced him there in Corinth. But when you say, I follow Paul and Apollos, when, when, when we're the end of the road for you, when we're all you can see and all you're thinking and all you're trying to impress you're missing it. Are you not merely being human? Verse 5. For then, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Not who, but what? They're servants. They're servants. That's what they are, and they're proud to be servants. They're in a partnership with God. They're servants of God. And they're the guys through whom you believed as the Lord assigned them. They're just doing what God told them to do. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who did it all. He's the one that does it all. So in this book, on page for chapter 3, there's a deal that's called the big idea. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the big idea. I want you to write it down. A follower of Christ is to become a servant. 
of God, who then becomes God's fellow worker. We're not working for God. We're working with God. If I'm working for God, I'm doing it in my own strength and my own skills and my own ability. But when I'm working with God, I do what Keith Green says to do. I do my best and let God do the rest. Isn't that cool? That's the abundant life. That's the life we were all given when we said yes to Jesus. Uh, I have a friend in South Africa that I want to tell you a little story about, and then I want to give you three tips on what we need to do at this point. My friend's name is John Thomas. He's from Zimbabwe. He's African, but he's serving in South Africa. He's a preacher, and he's preaching in a little community called Fishhook when God says to him, you know, you really need to get your sermon outside these walls. There are a lot of shut-ins out there that can't come to church why don't you see if you could broadcast your Sunday morning service? So he goes to the government and says, can I broadcast my Sunday morning service? They laughed at him and said, no way, you can't do that. We don't let private people do that kind of stuff. He went back, prayed about it. God said, do, go ask him again. So he went and asked him again. Same guy. Guy said, I told you, we don't do that. You can't do it. Went back, prayed about it. God said, go ask him again. <laughs> Eleven times he went to this guy. The guy would see him coming and go, no, no, no. The last time the guy said, we've been talking about you. We figure you're going to keep coming. <laughs> so here's the deal. We're going to let you broadcast, but you can't just broadcast your Sunday morning service. You have to broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're going to be a radio station, you're going to be a radio station. And you have to have your own equipment. You can't borrow it. You can't rent it. You have to own your own equipment. And you have to have your own programs. You can't bring them in by satellite. They've got to be produced right here. They knew that was just absolutely impossible, but then they put one more stake on it and said, and you have to do it in 30 days. John didn't know it was impossible, this guy. This is on the face of a magazine. Look at the name of the magazine, Joy. That smile tells you everything. See, he's experienced his partner. He's experienced God coming through. So John goes to his church and says, okay, folks, they said we could do this, but here's what we got to do. You've got to produce programs. So make children's programs, kids' programs, women's programs, whatever kind of programs, and I'm going to go to the States, and I'm going to find somebody who can help us. I've never been to the States, but I know of one church in Florida, and I'm going to go there and see if they'll help us. Gets on a plane, goes to Florida, calls the church from Miami, says, uh, I'm here. Can, you, can I talk to somebody? They said, this is the most amazing thing. We're in the middle of a missions conference. Why don't you come and, and speak tomorrow and present yourself? That's, that's our partner. That's what our partner does. So he, tomorrow he gets in the elevator in Miami in his South African full suit with his Bible. Stood out just a little bit. And another guy steps into the elevator dressed in a suit and a Bible. And they greet each other. The other guy recognizes the accent, asks about it. Pretty soon, John's telling the whole story to this other guy. Would you believe the other guy was from our mission? Our mission is to put in radio stations around the world. 
That's what we do. We have about 600 of them around the world. That's what we do. And there they were. By the time they walked out of the elevator, John had his radio station. By Friday, he was on the air in Cape Town. He just did what God told him to do. God did all the rest. Folks, that's what our partnership is. It's so one-sided, it's overwhelming. But that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. That radio station has spawned over 100 more stations throughout Africa. Nelson Mandela calls it his station. It's the most popular station in Cape Town today. And John just stands there and says, it's impossible. And it is. But that's the job of our partner. Right? So let me tell you what we need to focus on. Three things. One, you need to keep growing. I know you've been a Christian for a long time. I know you know the Bible. You've read the Bible through. I know you know some verses. Keep growing. Do you need to learn more verses? Do you need to read the Bible more? Do you need to pray more? Do you need, what do you need to do to keep growing? God's already telling you right now. Write that down in your book. This is what I need to do. I need to read more. Or I need to learn some verses this year. Two, you need to make sure it's Christ you're following, not man. What is it that you're not doing for your partner because you're afraid of what people will think? Write that down. And then attack it. Say no more. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Even if people think I'm a little wacko, if they make fun of me, or if they think God's in control, that's okay. Three, start planting and watering. Planting, telling people about Jesus, watering, helping that seed to grow in their life, encouraging them in their walk, encouraging young Christians, mentoring somebody. Who would God have you tell what you know about Jesus? I was with a friend from Burkina Faso, West Africa, on Friday, and he was talking about we all have a story. Every one of you has a story of you and Jesus. Some story. When you met him, how you met him. Just tell your story to somebody. Who would God have you tell your story to? Write it down. He's talking to you. That's not me. I'm not going to tell you who to tell. That's God. Are you going to do it? Are you going to be a partner? Or is it going to be your way, only when it's in trouble you call him in? That's not a partnership. Isaiah tells us that God told us, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Those three things, they look tough to you, maybe impossible. Our God is the one who helps you. Let's pray together. Father, why you called us into partnership with you is beyond us. We are weak, fearful procrastinators. And you want to give us this incredible life of fullness and joy and peace. And you want us to experience seeing things that are impossible happen and to bask in the joy of this abundant life. And there are some people here, I, I know, who are saying, I've been stalled out in my grit. Maybe I'm in that crazy, immature time of my spiritual life, and I, man, I, I want to 
I want to get going again. Would you pray for me? Just wave at me. I want to pray for you as I close this prayer. You're saying, yeah, I need, yep, I see it. I see it. Okay, good, 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 good. Anybody else? I mean, this is where it starts. I make a decision. God told me today to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm a little nervous, a little afraid, but I need prayer, and I'm willing to pray for you. Anybody else? Father, you've seen the hands. You know the hearts. You know exactly what you said to these people, and Lord, thank you that they've responded. That's the partnership. Bless them and help them and give them the great joy of your presence in their life. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.